I wonder if you've ever thought of the idea of who rubs off on you the most. Um, I was having a conversation the other day uh, with Cindy and with Matt. And we were sitting at a table and Cindy was talking about something or other and she said, correct. And then she went, oh, I say correct all the time. My sister says that I say correct all the time. And I said, correct. (laughs) She said, who do I get that from? And Matt's like, pointing at me. And I'm like, well, it's not me. And then about 10 minutes later, I went, correct. And then I thought, well, maybe it is me. And I'm rubbing off on her. And I'm like, that's awful. Um, And then I was in the office the next day, and I was talking to someone else about it, uh, about something or other. And we were just chatting, chatting, chatting. And that certain person went, correct, correct, correct. And I went, it's you. Um, And so we're rubbing off on each other. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. I've got this really cool thing. Let me, sorry, just let me find the page because my page has not printed. No, my first page has not printed. Do you want me to swap microphones? Hello. Am I on? All right. So what I wondered was if we can have a look at some pictures of who I'm going to talk to you about influence, proximity, priorities and prayer, just so that you know. Do you think that these people are rubbing off on their dog? Or their dog is rubbing off on them. Which way is it? They're rubbing off on their dog? Or their dog's rubbing off on them? What about this guy? Has he looked at his dog and gone, dude, I love your hair, man. I'm going to grow my hair like that. Uh, What about this guy? Yep. I reckon that guy went and found that dog because that dog looked like him. Um, But I wonder, do we rub off on each other? So I was thinking about, you know, who's rubbed off on me? Like... In the past, like, when I was, like, a kid and everything was, like, excellent. Everything was so excellent. Who who do you think is rubbing off on me? Call them all. (laughs) Totally. Or when I look at my kids and I say, hey, 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 everybody, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I can't actually say that very well. Who's that? Who's rubbing off on me? Yes, Kath. It's Kath and Kim. It's beautiful. Um, And so, um, oh, oh, wait, wait. When I say... Um, yeah, that's right. You've got the correct answer. Correct. Lock it in, Eddie. Who's rubbing off on me? Eddie Maguire. Or, oh, wait. Oh, I just gave it away. Or when I say, you had me at, you had me at hello. There we go. Jerry Maguire. You had me. Or maybe it could be, you complete me. Is that what they say? Um, or, or you know, what's the one with this guy? Are you feeling lucky, punk? Or what's the other one? Go ahead, make my day. I didn't even think of that one. Or what does this guy say? I'll be back. There's a whole lot of them. We could actually keep going on. We could go, that's not a knife. Or or we could go, not happy. Oh, we're so good at this. Um, Show me the... Oh, come on, there's got to be more inside my head. Um, But... The, the issue is things rub off on us. So whether we realise it or not, the TV characters in our life are rubbing off. Our dogs are probably rubbing off on us. And we're actually like escalating this issue of who's rubbing off on us because we're bringing them right into our lounge rooms. We're bringing them right into our bedrooms. We're in our bed, in our gym jams. No one else is in our bed except perhaps, you know, a partner and our kids and maybe our dog. I don't know what's going on there. But, um, but we're bringing everybody, loads of people, we're bringing TV characters right up close and intimate and, and letting them influence us. We're bringing 
all of our Facebook friends. Now, they are actually not the people who ought to be on the couch with us when we're in our gym jams, eating Tim Tams, watching something late at night. We've brought 500 people right up close on our couch and we've decided to let them influence us. And Who are we letting rub off on us? Who are we letting influence us? Who are we letting into our lives? There's the, there's the whole idea of when we let people in close, they actually have an opportunity of influencing our values. So we might be watching TV shows. And what's the worst thing about Netflix? If anybody's got Netflix, what's the worst thing about Netflix? 19, 18, 17, 16, 15. All of a sudden, you're watching the next episode and you didn't even choose to. But the more we watch these shows, the more they are influencing us, the more they're rubbing off on us. So much so that in juries now... They're worried that juries think a case should be able to be solved in 45 minutes because it is on CSI, you know. Or maybe we're thinking that we shouldn't be content with our partners because all the TV characters, they have the best time when they cheat on their partners. You know, we actually have to be really careful. Who's rubbing off on us? Who's influencing us? Who are we bringing into close proximity with us? We're actually in quite a precarious situation in the world today. The line's blurred about who can influence us. And they can influence our nature, our behaviour, our values, all of that kind of stuff. So today, I'm going to have a look at a story in Exodus 33. So if you've got your Bibles or you want to look it up on some cool device, feel free to take that out if you just want to surf the net and let people influence you. No, whatever. Um, So let's have a look at Exodus 33. So the story thus far... It's about Moses and God has been faithful to the people. He has heard the people of Israel cry out and he's rescued them from being slaves. They were slaves under Pharaoh in Egypt and he did this almighty rescue mission and they've been rescued. He's also been a great provider to them. So he's provided for them while they're in the wilderness, while they're doing circle work in the desert on the way to the land that God promised them that they would one day be and live happily. So he's providing for them and he's caring for them and he's doing everything he can for them. And in addition to that, he is being personal with Moses, the leader. So there's these moments when he's actually getting up close and personal with Moses. It says the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. God of all creation is being up close and personal with Moses Face to face as one speaks to a friend. The God who said, I think I will speak all of creation into being. He's been up close and personal with just a guy because he is just a guy, Moses. He's being up close and personal. And one day, Moses climbs Mount Sinai because he's going to meet with God. And he goes up the mountain and this is what happens. Moses says to the Lord... You've said, I know you by name, and you've found favour with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. He's actually saying to God, I want to know you. He goes on to say, reveal yourself to me. Show me your glory, God. I want more of you. Please, if I've found favour with you, Let me be in your presence more. Tell me more of who you are. I want to know you. I want to know you, says Moses. 
And then God's response to Moses is, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you and will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. But you can't see my face, for no one may see me and live. And God hid him in a cliff and put his hand out over his eyes as he passed by. And Moses was in the presence of God, fully in all his glory. That's huge. Probably never would have happened if Moses had not have gone up that mountain and said, God, I want to know you. I want you to reveal yourself to me. I want to hear your heartbeat. I want to see your face. I want to know what matters to you. I want to know what breaks your heart. Reveal yourself to me. Show me your glory. And God said, okay, but you can't see me fully. Not because I, I can't be seen fully, but because you couldn't. You can't handle that. Anyway, you can't handle the truth. You can't, you can't handle my full power. You can't handle all of me. So he puts his hand out and shields his eyes as he passes by and gives him the absolute utmost that Moses' humanity could possibly stand. It's huge. And then Moses came down the hill and he was different. Does anybody remember the story of what was different about him? You may not have read the story, but something was really, really different about him when he came back down the hill and he didn't realise it. He was probably, his heart was beating like Steve when those people prayed for the Holy Spirit and something happened and something flooded into him. Or like Ronwen when she spoke in those words that she could not explain. Something had happened and Moses is coming down the hill and he's like, whoa, God is, whoa. And as he's coming down the hill, the people are like, there is something weird's happened to that guy. He's coming down the hill and he is glowing. His face was glowing. It says he was radiant that his face was glowing because he had been in the presence of the almighty God and he was glowing. Wouldn't that have been cool? Wouldn't that have been cool? If other people can have an impact on us, and rub off on us and influence us just by their proximity of bringing them into our lives, how much more so could the God who created us impact, influence and rub off on us? Wouldn't that be the best influence we could bring into our lives? So let's, let's go to Jesse. Ah, Jesse. Uh, um, oh, that's not right. There, that one. Ah, Jessie. So what she said, as the calisthenics bell goes, in the Jessie story, she's singing that song. What did she sing? Everything was beautiful. I sang in front of you. That's a very big, that was a mistake. Whoa. So she sang it, you know, When somebody loved me, everything was beautiful, you know, and isn't that true? And in fact, in the video footage, her face was glowing. You know, she's swinging around in the arms of her owner, 
everything was right. Everything was just right because she was in the presence of her owner and she was fully loved. And that is the same with us and God. And won't our faces glow when we are in the presence of our owner, in the presence of the one who created us, in the presence of our maker? We will glow. We will say everything was beautiful. Everything was right when somebody loved me and I was in the presence of my maker. The thing that, that upsets me when I watch the story of Jesse is, is that we are actually the opposite to that. We are the ones that have picked up God and we've popped him in a box and we have drifted away. And we are the poorer for it when we drift away from him. And all he wants to do is bring us back into his presence and love us and impress upon us who he is and who he wants us to be. We are at our best when we are with our maker. We are at our best when we are with God. When we have time with him, we are who we fully are meant to be. So what does it look like when I have time with God? It's right here. It's like this. I can't hear you anymore. But I plug in my phone. That's terrible. I go for a run. I usually run up a mountain. I run, I run anywhere. I might walk. I walk up Mount Dandenong. I might run up Mount Dandenong and I'll plug something in. And it's usually something that I think I want to listen to, but eventually I'll stop listening to it because my mind has just gone off with God. So I might, um, I might pick up a TED Talk and I'm like, oh, I really wanted to listen to this because that's got some good gear in it. And about 10 minutes in, I will be like having this massive conversation with God and he will be pouring into me and I will be pouring out to him. And I will have completely lost track of what I was listening to. But I'm walking and I'm walking or I'm running and I'm running and I'm doing some time with God. These are, this one doesn't come out very often. This one is my journal. So when I have my time with God, regular time with God, I pick out a journal. I've got lots of different ones and I pick them out and I sit down and I pick up my pen and I start telling God everything I want him to know about what's going on in my life. And then at some point, the conversation changes and I'm writing from his words to me. So I start with, God, I've got all these things going on and God, I don't know what to do with this and I don't know how to deal with that. And God, you love me and I am so valuable and I'm so important to you and you have got everything in control. And it actually turns and I don't often know the point at which the conversation has turned from me writing to him to him writing back to me. And it's like he's writing them on my heart as my pen makes its way across the paper. That's where I meet with God. This one here, that's when me and God have got some serious gear to do. This has been in my life for lots of years. There's no point in trying to steal it. It hasn't actually got anything that you would understand because most of the gory stuff is written in code. Um, But when God and I have got a really big thing to sort out, you know, I've resigned jobs in this. You know, I've, I've done, you know, important things in relationships in this. I've done some very big groundwork in who I am and my identity, my shadow side, all of that kind of stuff. So those days when I am actually setting aside a day and I'm going out to find and meet with God, not that I have to find him because he's always with me, but when I'm going to intentionally carve out some time, find a mountain and meet with God, this one comes out and I write in this and I journal what's deeply going on in my heart. One of the places I've been 
in those times is uh, out on the, the Western Highway. There's like some Catholic stations of the cross on the way to Ballarat and there's like these statues of the disciples and all that sort of and I drive out there because no one is going to find me there oh no I've just told you where I go so I go out there and and I spend the day and I listen and I sit and sometimes it rains on me and I go God why why is it raining in my life and he you know and we work and we walk and we think and we talk and I listen to music and I pray and I spend the day with my maker and the deal is I am so much better when I've been with my maker. I am so much better when I've been in the presence of God. Sorry, my notes are out of order. When I've been with my creator, I'm much more tolerant of my children because God has reminded me of how often I am impatient and petulant and annoying and get it wrong. And so I come out of that time going, I need to be more patient. I'm so much more gracious um, to people because God has impressed upon me how much grace is in his heart. And I come away from those times going, I want to be like him. I want to be like you, God, and I'm much more patient. I'm so much more at peace and settled in my life when I've spent time with my maker, when I've been with him and he's reminded me that he's got it all in control that he's got it all covered. And so I walk away from that time going, yeah, God has got it all covered. And then I'm a bit like a sieve where it sort of floats out the back and I forget and I have to go back and find some time to carve out and to be with him. But I'm so much better when I've been with God. And so was Jesus. I've got this great quote. This is Henry Nguyen. I was going to read it. It's really good. In the middle of sentences loaded with action, healing, suffering people, casting out devils, responding to impatient disciples, traveling from town to town and preaching from synagogue to synagogue, we find these quiet words. In the morning long before dawn, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a lonely place and prayed there. In the center of the breathless activities, we hear a restful breathing, surrounded by hours of moving we find a moment of quiet stillness. The more I read this nearly silent sentence locked between the loud words of actions, the more I have the sense that the secret place of Jesus' ministry is hidden in that lonely place where he went to pray early in the morning, long before dawn. Jesus carved out time to go and be with his father, even Jesus. If it is good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. And I want to make sure that I carve out time to be with God, not just because that's what Jesus did, but because Jesus made a way so that I could. Jesus gave everything so that I could go and spend time with God. Jesus began his ministry in prayer. He made important decisions in prayer. He dealt with troubling emotions like grief with prayer. He dealt with the constant demands of his ministry with prayer. He prepared for important ministry events with prayer. He prepared for his death on the cross with prayer. Jesus' solitude deepened his love for his father. Put him, um, is the word calibrated? Calibrated his life against God's. 
this is the life I want for you. Right, I remember now. I'd forgotten that bit. I remember. So the question is, is is God safe to come to? Yes, absolutely. God put his hand over Moses' eyes so that he could pass before him. It's good to come before our God. When we're facing the really big stuff in life, we actually have to trust that we can come into God's presence. There's a beautiful story, and I'll just tell it really quickly. It's in the book of Kings, and it's this guy Elijah. He was having a very bad day. All of the prophets had been killed, and his life was in danger, and he was freaking out, and he ran up a mountain. He actually ran up the same mountain Moses went up, and he hid in a cave, and he fell asleep. And God came and met with him. And the first thing God did was provide him with some bread and water. And the second God thing God did was say, what are you doing here? And it wasn't, oh my goodness, I had no idea you were here. It was, tell me, tell me why you're here. Tell me why you're in a cave. Tell me why you've come to meet with me. And he listened and he listened and he listened and he listened. And then the fourth, third, fourth thing that God did was he responded. And reminded him of who he was and reminded him of the big plan. And I believe that that's what God will do every time we come to him. He will provide for us. He'll ask of us. He'll allow us to share with him. And he'll pour out his values. When we intentionally spend time with God, we lean into God's values. We hear what breaks his heart. We understand his desires for our lives. We listen to his musings about the world. And we recalibrate ourselves. So if you've never spent time in God's presence, intentionally, you're in God's presence now, surprise. But if you've never actually said, here's a time I'm going to go and seek God, just do it. It will be good. And if you don't know what to do, then just say, I'm here. I'm here in your presence. Reveal yourself to me. If you've done it before and you've forgotten, remember and go back to him. Seek him out. Make a time and a space to go and be in the presence of God. And if you're a frequent dweller in his presence, why don't you ask for more? God, reveal yourself more. Like Moses, reveal yourself more. Moses said to the Lord, you've said I know you by name and you've found favour with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favour with you. And God does. You might find God sitting in an armchair in the peace and quiet in a space that you've marked out to say this is my time with God. Enter his courts sit at his footstool, stroll through the garden in the cool of the evening, shoulder to shoulder, wrestle something out with him, hide in a cave and ask him to reveal himself, open his word, join with angels singing his praise, light a candle, kneel before a cross, 
sit in silence, put in earphones, turn off the TV, cancel an appointment, schedule your diary, climb into an armchair, open a journal, hold your hands open, whatever you need to do to carve time out to be with God, do it. It needs to be our first priority, not our Facebook friends, not the people on TV, not the people we like to hang out with, not our friends at school. It has to be our maker. It has to be our maker. Different people have different needs. They find God's presence in different ways. But what if, what if we entered his presence fully, so much so that the people around us said, you are glowing. You are different. You are more settled. You are more patient. You are more generous. You are more caring. You are fed income glowing. And I cannot work out why. And you say, been with my maker. Been intentionally with my maker. Will you prioritize your proximity to God and spend time with him in prayer as your primary influence in life? What I'd love you to do is to take out your diaries and schedule it. You know, just schedule it in. Or make a, make a rhythm that you, you're going to do. Whatever it is, prioritise it. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation in which you will shine among them like stars in the universe. That's what God wants of us. He wants us to shine on his behalf. Let's plug into Jesus regularly, purposefully, so that we can shine for him in the universe. I'm going to get the band to come up. We're going to sing. No, they're going to sing for us. What a beautiful name. This is a moment when you can say, I am about to carve out some time for you, God. I want to enter your presence If you've never intentionally gone into his presence to say, speak God, I'm listening, I'm here, do a great work in me, teach me something new, reveal yourself more fully, this is a great opportunity right now in this room. And all we have to do is say, Jesus, because he's the reason we can come into the presence of God. It's his death on the cross that made a way so that we can come before God without fear or trepidation but fully open saying God tell me what matters God give me your insight into the things I'm facing God help me to understand how to be the person you fully created me to be help me to know how much you love me help me to know how precious I am to you I want to be in your presence. I want to to be better for being in your presence.